Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian and Chris. And joining us remotely, it's nobody. The fake, one of the, but probably the most prominent of the fake Satoshis, has lost in court. Craig Wright, the guy who has most prominently claimed to be Satoshi Nakamoto and managed to fool quite a few people, including some like big name types in the uh, the crypto field, that he was actually Satoshi Nakamoto. For listeners that don't know, Satoshi Nakamoto is who? The inventor of uh, Bitcoin. Yes, and we don't know who Satoshi Nakamoto is. It's always been a mystery. Uh, the, the, the person, whoever they are, male, female, group of people, space alien, we don't know. Yeah, I was, uh, was going to say, we don't actually have a, a person behind the mask, so to speak. No, and hopefully we never will. I think there's a real benefit to never knowing who Satoshi Nakamoto was or is. We don't know if the person is still alive. We know that in, I think it was 2011, Satoshi Nakamoto disappeared. The The person was active on, I think, the Bitcoin talk forum. They were active on some kind of news group or wherever it was that, you know, the crypto uh, cypherpunks hung out. Uh, and then he or she just disappeared. Now, before the, they did disappear, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto turned over the keys to Bitcoin to Gavin Andreessen. Gavin uh, Andreessen, who at the time was a Free Talk Live supporter of the AMPS program, and he uh, took us out, took me and Mark out to lunch very, very long time ago to kind of answer all of our questions. So, uh, you know, we, we've always kind of been early on, not always, but early on in the history of Bitcoin, we've been pretty uh, pretty close to some of its original creators. I guess we could say we're, you know, one step away from Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever that was. <laughs> Free Talk Live is definitely in the history books when it comes to the crypto scene. Yeah. So, uh, but now, so then later this Craig Wright guy comes out and this was a few years back. Craig Wright, uh, claiming to be Satoshi Nakamoto and suing anyone who would say differently. If you said something bad about Craig Wright, then he would bring a lawsuit against you. And he hasn't been particularly successful with these lawsuits, as I understand it. And in fact, he just lost another one here. The story is from, uh, Coindesk. Dot and com. the first sign yeah. is, is Satoshi Nakamoto gonna bring, char- bring, uh, legal action at the drop of a hat? And I would say that there's no indication that that's in his character. Yeah, I agree with you there. And that's a, the other thing is if you just listen to what Craig Wright says, some of the things that, you know, come out of his mouth, they don't sound like things that you would expect from Satoshi Nakamoto. Satoshi Nakamoto is somebody who essentially founded, uh, Bitcoin to kind of undermine the existing financial system and the status quo. And this Craig Wright guy says, literally said, I don't have the quote in front of me, so somebody can look it up, paraphrasing. He has literally said that he supports government. He says he's not an anarchist. The odds that the actual creator of this program, who knows exactly how this system works and set it all up, would lose that is just almost to the point of beyond belief. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who has a GPG key. He's, he's familiar with, you know, all of, all of the, uh, you know, the really hardcore math right. and, and cryptography, uh, behind this system. Surely he's familiar with how to make some backups. Yeah, he's, he's not gonna lose his, his, uh, private key. So, uh, here's the news. How, how much on. does Satoshi hold? Oh, I, I think I've heard somebody say that the original, uh, wallet of Satoshi's has like a million Bitcoin in it. Yeah, what would happen to the market if that was suddenly dumped? I mean, obviously, I would think the price would uh, would drop, but that that coin has not ever moved. No, it never has. But yeah. I mean, the other possibility is, and you know, there's there's all kinds of ways that that Bitcoin could have come to be if Satoshi was, um, for example. Uh, the NSA, um, then it could well be that that big block of, of Bitcoin is actually a huge booby trap. Could be. I guess the only way to find out is to wait and see on that one, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it seems 
I don't know. It, it seems like that could be problematic though, because it's, I mean, they released the source code for it, right? Under licensing, which allows for you to effectively clone it and a different blockchain is not necessarily going to, you know, be undermined by Bitcoin failing. I mean, it could have an impact on its price if people get scared, but it doesn't necessarily undermine it in and of itself. I don't think. The only other chains that would be affected would be those chains that were, that carried over the original ledger. So things like Bitcoin Cash, uh, Bitcoin's, uh, SV, uh, each of those would have an equal and opposite or an equal, mm. um, uh, booby trap. This is a gentleman from, I believe, Australia, if I recall correctly, who has been suing his way around the Bitcoin community. Anybody that says something, he sued Roger Veer, he's, that's the founder of Bitcoin.com. He sued Roger, he sued uh, all kinds of people out there. Anybody that says something that he doesn't like. So if you if you call him fake Toshi, he gets butthurt about it and he'll sue you for it. Uh, according to the story here at Coindesk, Magnus Granath, known on Twitter as Hoblinot, won a lawsuit against Craig Wright on Thursday, according to a Norway judge. Granath sued Craig Wright. Oh, that's unusual. So normally Craig, normally Craig Wright's the one that does all the suing. But apparently Granath sued Wright to try to preempt a defamation suit that Wright was planning, planning to bring against Granath in the United Kingdom where defamation laws are heavily tipped in favor of the plaintiff and monetary damages can be enormous. At the center of both cases is a series of tweets written by Granath in March of 2019 in which he called Wright, who has long claimed and failed to prove that he is Satoshi Nakamoto, the pseudonymous pseudonymous inventor of Bitcoin, a fraud and a scammer. Granath asked the Norwegian court to rule that his tweets were protected by the freedom of speech, therefore preventing Wright from pursuing damages in relation to the tweets. He said the result was expected. I'm very happy and thankful for all the support. Wright's attorneys told Coindesk he could appeal the ruling and warned that anonymous online bullying could have a chilling effect on public discourse. This guy is such a pussy, this Craig Wright. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine being on the Internet? This man has got to be, what, 60 years old or something like that? Uh, can you imagine being on the internet for a good portion of your life, claiming to be the pseudonymous creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, and then qu- and then complaining about anonymity online? <laughs> mm. I mean, there's just nothing that this guy does that lines up with what I think the public persona of Satoshi Nakamoto was supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, and a Bitcoin is, it's, it's not anonymous, but it's pseudo anonymous mm-hmm. in some yeah. aspects of it in that anybody can create a wallet. Correct. Like it's designed to not have your ID or your driver's license attached to it in order, unlike opening, say, a bank account might. According to the story, after a week long trial in Oslo in September, the district court judge Helen Engerbrickson found in favor of Granath, ordering him acquitted of all claims for compensation and not liable for damages relating to the tweets. Wright has been ordered to pay Granath's legal fees in the amount of approximately $383,000. The judge ruled that Granath's use of words such as fraud and scammer to describe Wright were fair. Quote, the court believes that fraud and fraudulently in this context means one who is something other than what he claims to be. Fake has a similar meaning, illegitimate, false, something other than what he pretends to be, Engbritson said. Scammer must be understood the same way in the sense of swindler or cheater. Granat's lawyer appeared positive about the outcome, though he said he would review it further, saying in a statement, we note the court has agreed with our arguments and our client's position in this case, and we are, of course, happy with that. The judge wrote that the evidence presented by Wright's lawyers was not suitable to change the court's prevailing opinion that Craig Wright is not Satoshi Nakamoto. Now, look, it's just a person wearing a robe. I mean, a judge is no more special than any other human being. But this was, you know, this is a place where evidence is presented, right? Okay, you say you're Satoshi Nakamoto. What evidence do you have to prove that? All he has are just claims. What was that, nobody? 
the judge is only a human being, but they are a human being who has seen Craig Wright's best arguments for right. being Satoshi and said, nah. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it kind of goes farther than this because the guy at one point uh, basically tried to fake, I forget exactly what it was, some sort of cryptography thing with crypto uh and he or with his with private keys that he didn't actually have and tried to play that off as him having control over the private keys and it i mean it was just so obviously false yeah because so, anybody that knows anything about this technology can easily spot that he's lying right because if you have control over the private keys you can either one send the bitcoin somewhere to any wallet just pr- just move some of it any of it or yeah. you can do what they call signing uh, with your private key. You can sign a statement, essentially, with the, the key to prove that you have it. Wright has come out with a controversial claim and must withstand criticism from dissenters, she added, concluding that Granath's statements were lawful and not defamatory. Angabrigson also appeared to take up the idea that Twitter is a naturally rough-and-tumble environment where users should have a thick skin. After Granath's lawyers noted that Wright had also tweeted strong words such as cuck and soy boy. (laughs) Wright himself, the judge said, uses coarse slang and derogatory references, and so, in the court's view, must accept that others use similar jargon against him. So basically she's saying, look, you can dish it out, bud, but you you can't take it. So toughen up. Yeah, the hypocrisy in his. Or rather, if you dish it out, then you better be able to take it. Yeah, and he can't because he's a big wuss, and he sues people who say things on the Internet that he doesn't like. Wright uses, uh, let's see here, Halvor Manchus, Wright's lawyer, told Coindesk that the legal team doesn't agree with the court's assessment that Granat's communications were not, in a legal sense, uh, defamatory or privacy breaching, and said the Twitter user, quote, breached the commonly accepted threshold of decency. Have these people ever been on the internet he before? Sounds <laughs> like a politician. Every word coming out of his mouth uh, makes him sound like some kind of a press flack for the Democratic Party, yeah, or maybe the Republican Party. It's just ridiculous. The final statement from his lawyer was: "Private citizens should enjoy the same protection on Twitter as on other media platforms. Anonymous online bullying and harassment risks having a chilling effect on meaningful debate and the civil exchange of views and opinions. Individuals should not be dissuaded from seeking to challenge persistent and pervasive online mistreatment or intimidation." Now. I don't know what the rules are in Norway about freedom of speech, but those of us who believe in freedom of speech believe that the ugliest of speech is very much important to protect. We don't want to have uh, people who say things we don't like gone after. Say whatever you want. You should have the freedom to say what you want. And I don't even believe in de- defamation either. I think you should be able to say anything that you want about somebody and it doesn't matter if they're a public figure. I know that here in the United States, there's like a difference in law, as I understand it. I'm not yeah. a lawyer, but as I understand it, if you're a quote-unquote public figure, then people can say worse things about you than if you're not. Hey, nobody, uh, did you hear there's an Adderall shortage? I did hear that. Yeah, I know. I don't know if you were on that. Were you? I guess we shouldn't ask you that. I'm pretty sure you've been <laughs> public about it before, though, but you've used Adderall, right? Uh, yeah, I've got an Adderall prescription now. Okay, that's where I didn't want to go for sure without, uh, without you giving permission. So, I mean, yeah. what, as a, as an Adderall prescription, uh, user, what, uh, you know, what have you encountered? Have you already come up against the shortage, uh, or what's the status out there? I've only encountered news reports of it. There's mm-hmm. been no, uh, I've had no trouble getting my prescription filled. The, according to MSN.com, Food and Drug Administration announced the shortage last week, saying one of the largest producers is experiencing intermittent manufacturing delays and that the other manufacturers can't keep up with the demand for the product. Some patients say the announcement was a belated acknowledgement of a reality that they have been facing for months. Pharmacies unable to fill their orders and anxiety about whether they will run out of a medication that they need to manage their daily lives. Hmm. What what happens uh, to nobody when you don't have this this product? Well, I mean, the first thing I do is call my doctor and ask him to switch me over to, or ask her 
to switch me over to uh, Ritalin or uh, Benzedrine mm-hmm. or any number of, of other drugs that are available for this. But, of course, that takes time, money, and effort. Right, um, unlike, you know, a free market where you could just go down to the corner store and buy whatever you wanted to buy without having to ask some expert. Yeah, I'd, I'd like some I, I'd like some Adderall, please. Oh, we don't have any Adderall. Okay, I'll take Ritalin. Mm-hmm. That's all it should take. But uh we don't get to make our own choices about medication. Those are made made for us by our betters who are mostly interested in how much money they can make from us. Right. By having a prescription set up, they are essentially limiting the access to people to these products. And of course, by having patents, you know, things like trademarks and copyrights and patents, uh, they limit the creation of these products. And it's, so there's a, a tremendously limited marketplace, which drives the price up. It's, it's, it's kind of humorous that in any other market, a monopoly is, or most, most of the time anyway, uh, is considered to be illegal, but you then, then they have these things called patents and all of a sudden, well, what is a patent? It is an actual monopoly. Yeah. Um, you know, authorized. A time limited monopoly. Right. Basically. A time limited monopoly authorized and, you know, um, you know, you're, you're literally using the violence of government, uh, to, to, to create that monopoly. You know, unlike a monopoly that's formed, I don't want to say more naturally, but, uh, a monopoly that's formed through other means. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty transparently obvious that these things don't exist to protect the consumer, right? Like that's what they say. Nope. They say, oh, we've got to regulate the drug industry to make sure the consumers are kept safe. They say it's difficult for patients to access Adderall, which is, of course, a highly regulated and controlled substance because of high potential for abuse, they say. Medication management generally requires monthly doctor visits, and there have been other shortages in recent years. Timothy Willens, an ADHD expert and chief of child and adolescent psychiatry in Massachusetts General Hospital, says this one, meaning the shortage, is more sustained. He says it's putting pressure on patients and pressure on institutions that support the patients. Eric Goode, a 28-year-old chef who lives in Atlanta, experiences regular challenges filling his prescription, whether it's pharmacies not carrying generic versions or disputes with insurers. He's been off the medication for a month after his local pharmacy ran out. And again, if there was no FDA standing in the way, if there was no DEA standing in the way, then anyone who wanted to could go into the business of manufacturing this drug and other drugs, and they could sell them. And then there would be, there would never be a shortage in the marketplace. I mean, as long as you could get whatever the, the input products are from wholesalers, there would never be a problem getting this product out to patients. But we don't live in that world. We live in a world where it's incredibly controlled. Only certain licensed individuals, only certain licensed businesses are even allowed to touch this stuff. And if you try to do anything but that, you're going to prison for probably the rest of your life. For just giving people what they want. Yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind is take the 25 years that I've taken Adderall, multiply that by 12. That's 300 doctor appointments that somebody has to pay for. Wow. And not only does somebody have to pay for that, it's 300 hours that that physician was not available to treat somebody who actually needed Mm -hmm. treatment. But speaking of shortages, Chris, you were just mentioning something during the break that I thought was interesting, and that is that apparently there are now some reported cuts on major Internet trunks going from one country to another. Um, yeah, actually, sort of. So there is a uh, there's a cable cut between us. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think Scotland and. I'm trying to think the islands. There's some islands though, uh, north of Scotland. It's still okay. part of Scotland. That was cut. And then there's mm. two other cuts that occurred in France, um, that appear to be sabotage of some kind. And, and are these all underwater cables or one they... of them's underwater? Two of them are not. Two oh. of them, the two in France, uh, they literally had to dig into like concrete. So mm-hmm. like it was a very, apparently very, very obviously, uh, some sort of, um, I, like I, I want to say job. like some sort of government, you know, uh, espionage sort of deal, I guess. It must have um, been. 
because I mean I can't imagine anybody else digging into concrete, right? Like mm-hmm. how how do you accidentally? That's no, there's no accident there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I mean, you could say an underwater cable could have gotten somehow chopped on an accident, maybe some kind of beast right. bit through it, or it just wore away due to erosion or whatever. But yep. Um, and then, um, but yeah, it's it's interesting uh, because there's been a number. Uh, it it appear. You know, how do I say this? Um. At a glance, it, it it doesn't. It seems like there's been a lot of um, eh, fishy bit stuff going on behind the scenes that hasn't really been, you know, clear necessarily 100 percent, or maybe it has been reported and I just have missed it a bit. But there was also a uh, pipes. I think a couple of them uh, were uh, blown up in uh, the one of the Russian pu- pipelines to oil pipelines to uh, Germany. But anyway, natural gas. Nord- Nordstrom and Nordstrom 2 pipeline. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Nordstream 2 right. was sabotaged. So that sounds about right. And it looks like it was the U.S. federal government that did it. Because Joe Biden announced in February that if Russia invaded Ukraine, that Biden would take out the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. He specifically threatened it. Yep. Yep. And also because if it hadn't been the United States government that did it, they would be playing it on a loop as the worst environmental mm. catastrophe in history because methane, which is most what most of LP gas is, mm. is actually a much more potent so-called uh, climate uh, – what, what's the word I'm looking for um, – driver mm. of, of so-called climate, climate change. change than um than carbon dioxide mm. so it's uh not to mention you know all of the damage done by pouring petrochemicals basically mm-hmm. into the water which that's never a good good idea so you're saying because the media the mainstream media was was downplaying it and not putting it on the front page so to speak that that was protecting the federal government's you know alleged attack here the internet that we use now, which is kind of built on top of that original internet, has exactly six hubs. Mm. So basically, <laughs> the way to remove the internet in the United States is now strike exactly six cities. Wow. And it could well be that, that it will turn out if those six strikes ever occur that they were done by the U.S. government and that they left a vestigal uh, internet behind them that's still servicing the military customers and probably the university. There's there's actually another internet, so to speak. Um, it's I mean it's not the internet. It's it's a military network that basically replaced the internet really? when the internet became com- uh, commercial. It was it was basically handed to the uh, public. And uh, then the military set up its own separate network um, to replace the Internet for its own communications. Huh. Um, but, yeah, but what's interesting, too, um, nobody, is that the Internet has become very centralized. So even it's um, like like infrastructure, yeah. right? If you take out, say, Cloudflare, you don't take down a website. You take down Tons a of ton them. of the Internet, yeah. right? And so mm-hmm. you've got you've got these these central points that can be attacked potentially and it may not like completely shut the internet down but it'll cripple it. It cripples it, right? And that's what I think we're seeing right now. It's hard to tell and this isn't the first time it's happened. It's and, happened repeatedly, you know, over the decades, but it 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 it, do, it just from time to time you'll if you pay attention, you'll notice you'll notice that the internet is actually hurting. And that's that's something that can happen with ISPs as well. Uh, the Internet was not designed right. with the idea that you would have one ISP and one connection to the Internet. Uh, the Internet was designed with each uh, center having connections to many other centers, and that that created a web that it would mm-hmm. be very difficult to um to interrupt but when each of us you know think of the percentage of new hampshire internet traffic that would disappear if they just took out um the time warner uh cable people Mm -hmm. or the uh 
I I can't even remember Comcast. the name. I think Comcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah th- there's a effectively it's not a monopoly. There's there's definitely not a monopoly on internet ac- in the United States internet access, but it, it's something like sixty percent of like the United States is on Comcast. So it, God, then, is it that high? It's something like we got Alu Axelman on the line from Liberty Block at uh, thelibertyblock.com. Go ahead, Alu. Hi guys, it's just uh, libertyblock.com. Sorry, thank so, you, libertyblock.com. No so what's really weird is that on Wednesday we do our weekly podcast, Liberty Block, the Conservatarian Exchange, and the I don't know exactly what happened, but the Zoom feed got effed up and mm. the audio got totally messed up. So the audio for most of that episode is like down to phone quality because my dad had to use the backup recording on like whatever device so huh. i don't know if that was an internet issue but that was really interesting as your podcast you were saying was having issues on radio i think it was wednesday also our podcast liberty block the audio got really bad what uh, uh it, 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 technical question what was your internet provider at the time i don't know my dad is the main um primary podcast host mm-hmm. and he uses zoom and the others are all throughout virginia north carolina and all over Okay. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't um, it doesn't necessarily have to be your provider that's having the problem to, to be affected by a connection, you know, uh, somewhere else. Because remember, you're connected to a provider that then connects to other providers. And right. Your traffic won't necessarily it, it goes to a certain degree on your own provider's network, but it then goes it to other providers depending on who you know and and what paths it needs right. to take and so on. But yeah, I also wanted to comment on the uh, CDC and the Corona fascism vaccine. It seems like the advisory council for the CDC voted unanimously 15 to 0 to add the COVID vaccines to the childhood schedule, which is essentially a recommendation. It's not a hard mandate for every kid in the United States, but I think a lot of states and or school districts use the CDC schedule Mm -hmm. recommended vaccines for their kids' mandatory attendance in school, like uh, to go to government schools, which 90% of kids go to government schools. They have to have those vaccines, and this, a lot of schools will add it. But again, I think it's a very good thing because, number one, this will lead to a tremendous drop-off in the kids going to government schools, which is great. But even more importantly, as the feds do pressure, they're going to pressure and maybe withhold some grants, some annual CDC grants, HHS grants or whatever, SNAP um, or uh, whatever Medicaid stuff. As they threaten to withhold this stuff to states, states will, like Florida and New Hampshire, will have to either bow down and vaccinate all the kids, which is not going to happen, or secede. So I think this is really, really good for independence. Hmm. Yeah, uh, certainly if it leads to any nullification, that'll be a good thing. It's, uh, I don't know how many people are going to pull their kids out of government school. We did, that was one of the best things that did happen during COVID is a, a lot of people did leave at that time. Hopefully this will push some other people into deciding that it's time to get their kids out of government school. But man, the amount of abuse these parents are willing to subject their kids to before they finally uh, will be fed up is, it's really frustrating. Yeah, I think a lot of parents, especially now after two and a half years, a lot of them are really starting to get upset about the COVID vaccines. Almost everyone with a brain now knows, besides for the most partisan people who love Fauci, I think almost everyone knows now that they're really not that necessary, not that safe. They're pretty dangerous. That's really high. We've got Alu Axelman on the line from Liberty Block at uh, thelibertyblock.com. Go ahead, Alu. Hi, guys. It's just uh, libertyblock.com. Sorry, thank so, you, libertyblock.com. So what's really weird is that on Wednesday, we do our weekly podcast, Liberty Block, the Conservatarian Exchange, and the I don't know exactly what happened, but the Zoom feed got effed up, and mm. the audio got totally messed up. So the audio for most of that episode is like down to phone quality, because my dad had to use the backup recording on like whatever device so huh. i don't know if that was an internet issue but that was really interesting as your podcast you were saying was having issues on radio i think it was wednesday also our podcast liberty block the audio got really bad what um, uh it, 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 technical question what was your internet provider at the time i don't know my dad is the main um primary podcast host mm-hmm. and he uses zoom and the others are all throughout virginia north carolina and all over Okay. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be your provider that's having the problem to, to be affected by a connection, you know, uh, somewhere else. Because remember, you're connected to a provider that then connects to other providers. And right. Your traffic won't necessarily, it, it goes to a certain degree on your own provider's network, but it then goes to other providers depending on who, you know, and, and what paths it needs right. to take and so on. But yeah, I also wanted to comment on the, uh, 
CDC and the coronavirus vaccine, it seems like the advisory council for the CDC voted unanimously 15 to zero to add the COVID vaccines to the childhood schedule, which is essentially a recommendation. It's not a hard mandate for every kid in the United States, but I think a lot of states and or school districts use the CDC schedule Mm -hmm. recommended vaccines for their kids' mandatory attendance in school, like uh, to go to government schools, which 90% of kids go to government schools. They have to have those vaccines and this, a lot of schools will add it. But again, I think it's a very good thing because number one, this will lead to a tremendous drop off in the kids going to government schools, which is great. But even more importantly, so. as the feds do pressure, they're going to pressure and maybe withhold some grants, some annual CDC grants, HHS grants or whatever, SNAP um, or uh, whatever Medicaid stuff. As they threaten to withhold this stuff to states, states will like Florida and New Hampshire will have to either bow down and vaccinate all the kids, which is not going to happen, or secede. So I think this is really, really good for independence. Hmm. Yeah, uh, certainly if it leads to any nullification, that'll be a good thing. It's, uh, I don't know how many people are going to pull their kids out of government school. We did, that was one of the best things that did happen during COVID is a, a lot of people did leave at that time. Hopefully this will push some other people into deciding that it's time to get their kids out of government school. But man, the amount of abuse these parents are willing to subject their kids to before they finally uh, will be fed up is, it's really frustrating. Yeah, I think a lot of parents, especially now after two and a half years, a lot of them are really starting to get upset about the COVID vaccines. Almost everyone with a brain now knows, besides for the most part, it's the people who love Fauci. I think almost everyone knows now that they're really not that necessary, not that safe. They're pretty dangerous. Did you or someone you love work, live, or serve at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988? If you or someone you know lived, served, or worked at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988 and has cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, they are entitled to compensation. To see if they are eligible, they need to call Liberty Legal. Contaminants in the drinking water have led to these serious diseases and legislation is now available for veterans and family members who may qualify for financial help from the government. There may be a time deadline, so don't wait. Call 888-918-1037. Anyone that has lived, worked, or served at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1988 and has had cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, the money is already set aside. 888-918-1037. 888-918-1037. One of the trolls in our YouTube chat, Cynthia, she says, Does Ian realize the majority of people cannot afford private school? Yeah, it's because the government takes all their money. It's called taxation. You would basically almost double your income, like double your paycheck if it wasn't for the government taking all your money. Most people can only not afford private school because the government has stolen their money. Well, now, isn't it true? I mean, I'll play devil's advocate here, Chris. Isn't it true that poorer people who are paying taxes are getting the tax money back through rebates or whatever they call them. They claim that, except that they never take into account all the taxation, all the hidden taxation that occurs. And I'll give you some great examples. There's um, things like vehicle registration fees in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. There are these things called tariffs. There's 25% tariff, um, which gets passed on to you at about 13% if you Go into a Walmart. That's about thirteen percent increase in right. price of goods, and that's not including sales taxes, right? Because and that that it depends on the state, but that can be as much as thirteen percent in some states. Um, there are there, there's lots of other hidden taxes. Now there's also well, p- poor people pay uh, the property taxes on the homes they rent. Right? Yep, that's true. Property taxes it. just are indirect. Right. Um, there's also uh, an employer tax, right? So uh, it, by me social security. There's also like thirteen percent, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, when you have, when you look at your paycheck, you might see fifteen percent, you know, in taxes. But there's actually another fifteen percent that's hidden that your employer has to pay in order to have you as an employee. Wow. So yeah, there's all these taxes, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it adds up very, very quickly. And uh, most people think of like probably what what their most mo- probably most people think that their biggest tax is like their um, property taxes. Um, mm-hmm. Or well, around here, I think that's probably true because the New Hampshire government leans heavily on the property tax. But when you look at the property tax it breakdown, is. it's literally sixty plus percent of it goes to the schools. But it's also not at or- the ordinary for the Northeast. And, true. um, there That's are true. other, you know, ta- and, and another thing is uh, most of the other Northeast states, it's still overall lower taxation because yeah. 
most of the other states have they sales taxes tax. and income taxes yeah. that New, New, uh, New Hampshire doesn't have. No, there's no doubt. So, I mean, New Hampshire has a much more efficient government system. I mean, if you can use those two words together, New Hampshire has it. It could more be a so lot than, better, but yeah. it's, you know. It, <laughs> they actually reduced the budget recently. They in, in did. I've so. never heard of that. I've heard of governments lowering taxes. Yeah. But if their budget doesn't decrease, that means you're just paying for it next yeah, year. Yeah, you've got to get it done eventually. Uh, I have heard of it happening, actually, Chris. It was in New Hampshire really? in 2011. In New Hampshire, they reduced. They the did it in 2011, and they no. did it, I think, wow. last year in 2021 as well. Wow! Yeah. So, <laughs> thanks to free staters, thanks to the uh, the Liberty Republicans, the people that actually care about fiscal uh, lowering these fiscal requirements of uh, of governments here in New Hampshire. And again, this is another one of those benefits when you get like minded people together. Some of them will run for office, some of them will win, and then eventually we'll get to the point where so many are winning. That the Democrats and the arch statist Republicans will just start giving up. We're going to get into the story about the police just leaving a cruiser, uh, police cruiser on the tracks of a train, train tracks and then putting a woman in that cruiser while they were arresting her. I mean, you would think murder, you know, murder charges would be appropriate. Oh, well, no, this is an accident, Chris. So therefore it can't be murder. It'd be manslaughter oh. in that case, right? I mean, how uh, how is that not intentional? Like that's the difference between manslaughter and murder, right? That's definitely one of the differences. Yeah, I mean, they're going like to claim it was an accident. They're going to claim, oh well, I didn't see the train tracks there or something like that. Uh, Reason dot com reporting on uh, what do cartoon villains and Colorado cops have in common? Both are prone to leaving women trapped on train tracks. Apparently, newly released video shows a Platteville Police Department officer park his patrol car on train tracks, and then exit the car. Still inside was a woman who had been detained as a suspect in a road rage incident a little while after the officer exited a train plowed into the car. The woman inside, 20-year-old Yereni Rios-Gonzalez, survived the crash. Wow. But was hospitalized with serious injuries, including nine broken ribs. She also had a broken arm, a fractured sternum, and multiple injuries to her head, back, and legs. Her attorney said she doesn't understand why she was left in the car. She was yelling to get their attention and could see the train coming. Oof, that's got to be scary. That is horrifying. I, mean, I can't even imagine like a more horrific way to almost die. She's, it's amazing she's alive. I mean, the, the video, there's video because there was two cruisers on the scene. So there's one that's got its camera pointing right yeah. at the car as it smashed off the tracks by they the train. Had two cruisers on, not just one, but two. That means two different cops. That's right. Yeah. And not, neither of them thought anything I'm, I'm of it. I'm speechless. I, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, that, that's, that becomes, that's not a, that's not an accident. That's, that's like, a serious problem when it comes to how they hire police officers. Deadly incompetence. Pattern. Yeah. That's a uh, pattern of, of incompetence. The officer who parked on the tracks was placed on administrative leave, which means that officer is getting paid to not work. That's what administrative leave means. And the Colorado Bureau of Investigation and the Colorado State Patrol are investigating. The department hasn't released the officer's name nor any explanation for why he thought it was okay to leave his car parked on train tracks. According to the CBI, the lady stopped her vehicle a little past the railroad tracks when she was pulled over. The Platteville cop stopped behind her on the tracks. He left his car there while detaining Ms. Rios-Gonzalez and then continued to leave it parked on the tracks even after she was handcuffed in the back seat as he and several officers from Fort Lupton searched her car. Let's go to Sarah. She's in New Mexico. And Sarah, you want more of these cops, right? Well, you know what? I, I'm in favor of the robocops. You know, if the, if the human cops make so much mistake and we have a hard time hiring them. Nobody wants to be a cop. You know, we just got two speeding cameras in Las Cruces. So you want actual robot police? Yeah. All I'm thinking is RoboCop from like the 80s, the yeah. movie yeah, where yeah. he goes around killing people like for basically no reason. Yeah, but the whole the real RoboCop is like a noise camera, police, a speeding camera, 
I mean, they're, she's talking they're about something else. Not, yeah, I she's do, obsessed uh, with these speeding cameras, and I I told her that I was tired of the speeding camera topic because she's she's bringing it up a lot. Sarah used to call about various different things. She used to actually have some variety in her calls, and that's that's starting to end. So mm. we may have to put some sort of restriction on her because she keeps calling about the same thing over and over again. It's getting pretty it's getting pretty tiresome. But Sarah, do you actually want to see robot cops? Like physical robots, like not just cameras, but actual bipedal walking on two feet with two arms and a head robots. Well, I think we, I, I've seen those around where they do the. Patrol. No, you haven't. They, what? No, I've seen them on TV. They they want to put them out. They did. They do have a camera. <laughs> She's and talking about RoboCop. I don't know. I don't know. Are you talking about the Hollywood movie from the 1980s with Peter uh, Sellers? Or no, not Peter Sellers. Peter, the other Peter. Peter Sellers yeah, was, uh, them, Pink Panther. Uh, they want to put them out, and then they they contact the real police. It's like a but but there's like a roll around robot. They have a roller, and they roll around, and then they yeah. Have a maybe you're thinking of like the bomb robot, like the bomb squad robot. Well, I've seen I've seen something like that in the the news. That actually, I want to. Really but that's what you want, right? They do have like yeah, robo have... dogs and things like that now. I think they do, um, and they're really creepy. Yeah, um, although I don't know, I don't know how widespread those are. I think that they're pretty limited. I think it's more of a prototype, if I'm not mistaken. Peter Weller, that was the name I was looking for. Thanks, Sarah. We mentioned Alex Jones earlier tonight when we were talking about uh, these insane court decisions. Alex Jones, of course, ordered to pay nearly a billion dollars, $965 million in the Connecticut settlement case for the supposed victims of people who were hurt ostensibly by what Alex Jones said on his radio show, on his Internet show, where he had the belief, says he doesn't have this belief anymore, but he did have apparently the belief that the Sandy Hook shootings, the school shooting in Connecticut from like a decade ago, that he believed was fake. He believed that it was a scam, basically. <laughs> I mean, it seems silly. He's a talk show host. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to take anybody seriously when they when they're trying to claim that they were somehow harmed by a talk show host. Oh well, no, no, no. See, Chris, they're claiming they were harmed by his fans. Because his fans called them, or oh his God. fans went to the funeral, or his fans went to, you know, fill in the blank. They sent him a and, mean message on the internet. And how do you attribute that to him specifically, as opposed know. to, you know, general news? It was major they had news to. for they, they never had a to a while, at Jones, least a week or two or more. Jones apparently lost these trials in default, so he never got to really put on a defense. Wow! Never got to question these people. And I, I've not seen what Jones specifically says about this, so I don't think it's fair to say for sure how this went down. But we've had a caller, so it's hearsay, mm-hmm. but the caller did say that, uh, Jones was trying to, he was in a deposition and he didn't answer the question, one of the questions in the way the judge liked. And so the judge just went ahead and, and moved forward and, and ruled in the favor of the plaintiffs. Like it was a total, like, scam. A sham, total, uh, total kangaroo That's court absolutely sham. Absolutely disgusting how our system works. Well, it's getting worse now because nine hundred sixty-five million dollars is disgusting. I mean, it was disgusting when it was forty-five million in Texas. Yeah, but the forty-five million apparently had a limit to it, meaning that the jury said forty-five million, but the Texas law says it can only be like a hundred or like seven hundred fifty thousand per person for for damages there. So that so there is a limit to that one. So then they went to. Connecticut, and there's no limits in Connecticut, so or virtually no limits. So that 965 billion number was just the beginning. You know, as egregious as Alex Jones may be, I I think the government manages to top it off like every single time. Absolutely. Um, you know, with these award these types of award numbers, they're just you know they're just astronomical. They're ridiculous. You know, I don't know. You know. It, if if you were going to put a number on it, I don't know what that would be, but certainly... For somebody having their feelings hurt on right, the internet? I mean, certainly... Here's five cents. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even, like, like if we were trying to talk about, like, okay, well, how, like, how much, you know, how much did it disrupt your life, right? Like, 
what you lost a couple of days you know you lost a couple oh, of they weeks they claim that they had to move out of the town and move multiple times because jones's fans were coming after them and threatening them and death threats and all that and look i'm not saying that you know for the average family of just regular folks working at home or what at working you know they get kids or whatever it is that uh, if they have threats coming after them, I can understand that would be a perturbing thing to go through. But it's not Alex Jones's fault. Now they're going back for what they call defamation and the damage, the punitive damages. They're asking, you know, the decision hasn't been made yet, but the plaintiffs in this case, the Sandy Hook families, according to Bloomberg.com, are asking Alex Jones, the judge to rule, or I don't know if it's a jury who decides this, whoever the hell it is that decides this, to rule that Alex Jones pay $2.75 trillion, trillion dollars in damages, in addition to the almost $1 billion they awarded for defamation, claiming only, quote, the highest possible punitive damages, unquote, will stop the InfoWars host from continuing right. to harm right. them. Let's back up a moment. This is civil, right? This is. All right. So he can leave the United States, continue his show theoretically, and never pay out. I presume that he could, yeah. I don't know much about <laughs> civil. Uh, I mean, is is that a way that you can get away from civil liability? I, it's hard to get a judgment or transfer a judgment from one country to another, generally mm-hmm. speaking. So I think so. I guess it doesn't technically guarantee, uh, but yeah. Yeah, generally. There's pl- probably plenty of countries, smaller island nations or something that would love to have Alex Jones funnel a million dollars into their economy or, right? or whatever, right? <laughs> you think. The families say they are entitled to the amount because Jones broke a state law barring the sale of products using false statements. They reached the sum what? by... Yeah, I don't know yet. We'll see what they say what about that. What did he that. sell? I, well, he had a bunch of like potions right like he had a oh we'll take but they're this not and, connected to the statements he was making yeah I'm not, I'm not clear on what they're saying here maybe they'll tell us more all right, all right, all right. they reached the sum by multiplying the state laws five thousand dollar per violation fine by the 550 million social media exposures jones's audience received on his facebook youtube and twitter accounts in the three years following the school shooting that claimed the lives of 21st graders and six bureaucrats in 2012 Jones called the family members crisis actors for years and said their loved ones weren't murdered during an elementary school massacre. He denied his statements were defamatory. The family's lawyers said in the filing on Friday, quote, Alex Jones perpetrates this attack for one reason, greed. Jones will never treat them like real people because they are too valuable to him as targets, unquote. I just don't believe that. I Jones is going to sell his potions whether or not he has an opinion about what happened at Sandy Hook. Yeah, I mean, let's be real here. If it wasn't Sandy Hook that he was talking about, it would be something, something else, else, right? Um, he always had some conspiracy theory the, that he was cooking up. I mean, he clearly didn't have all of those uh social media followers because of Sandy Hook. If there's going to be punishment for Jones, it should be the market. The market should punish Jones by not buying his products. Uh, yep. Right? That's as far as it should go. But they're mad because Jones was able to sell products. Because Jones said something that some people didn't like, which was that Sandy Hook didn't happen, according to him. That he believed it was all a hoax. And it was a government conspiracy. I think it's the way you would have phrased it. Or Well, now look. It doesn't have to be a government cons- – well, it doesn't have to be a hoax to be a government conspiracy. It could have been a government conspiracy in that the shooter was like a government agent or something. Like- so like you could yeah, believe right. – you could believe that the shooting happened and still believe that it was a government conspiracy. Right, right. That's true. But Jones went even further and suggested apparently that – and again, I didn't listen to it. So this is just what I've heard. He said Crisis that actors were key words. The whole sure. thing was was a conspiracy, and that kids weren't shot. Yeah, and that's just—I mean, it, that on its face seems absolutely nuts. But he should be free to be nuts and be on the radio, <laughs> or be on an internet show or whatever. And I know he's on both, kind of like we are—we're both online and and on uh, on broadcast. State Judge Barbara Bellis, according to Bloomberg.com will determine the final amount that Jones must pay. And the plaintiffs are asking for $2.75 trillion, T, 
with a tree, with a T trillion dollars. They're multiplying the $500,000 per violation fine by 550 million social media exposures that Jones received on his social media accounts in three years, which is nuts. This woman has said previously, the judge has said previously, Jones violated the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act or CUTPA by selling supplements and survival gear during shows that featured his false claims about Sandy Hook. How does that violate the Unfair Trade Practices Act? It, it does sound crazy. Um, and, and remember, you know, there's, there's this thing called, that we supposedly have called free speech. Mm-hmm. It's a constitutional thing. Anything, any law that's passed, um, that right, that, that, that regulates it is in, in theory is in violation of that. Now there, I know the Supreme Court has carved out some exceptions, but I mean, this just is ridiculous. If they were going to argue that Jones was lying about the products he was selling, you know, then they, you could then say, okay, well, that's fraud. But right? that's not what they're accusing him of. It doesn't sound like that's what they're accusing him <laughs> of, right? Like, oh, he's just selling, uh, vitamin B. Okay. Well, is it really vitamin B? Okay. Well, then how is he violating I, anything? I mean, what, I mean, what would the claim be? I mean, he'd have to have some sort of claim that's even crazier than Alex Jones in order to make that connection. Like, oh, you know, the, if you buy my supplement, you won't believe that this was anything other than some government conspiracy. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Like, how would you even know. make that connection to it's where? Bizarre. You know, the uh, it's bizarre. Jones's lawyer, Norm Pattis, said in a separate filing that cut the damages don't fit the facts of the case. He said the judge abdicated her responsibility to give Jones a fair trial by entering the default judgment and evidentiary restrictions against him. Pattis also claimed the victim's lawyer should have had to show jurors the amount of damages each plaintiff was entitled to rather than merely argue damages should be enough to, quote unquote, stop Jones. So, and you know, I, I, I kind of, I think I read a little bit about this, or I heard a little bit from a lawyer um, who talked on this, uh, or some aspect of this case. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, my, my understanding of it, if I recall correctly, is something like the, uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, lawyer, um, case. Yeah. Your understanding of it. I don't know where to, to uh, point you. Yeah. Well, it may come back to you. Yeah, it might come back to me. <laughs> uh, Pattis claimed the victim's lawyers should have had to show jurors the amount of damages in order to, uh, and rather than arguing they should have just stopped Jones. Text messages. So, supposedly, he was supposed to provide handover evidence of any text messages like in relation to mm-hmm. Sandy Hook, and he wasn't aware of any, so he didn't hand any over. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they found some on his phone. And therefore, that was, I think, the the result of why. So they acted they, like he were he was covering it up, right? Even mm-hmm. though there was no evidence that he didn't do what he was supposed to do, he did it to the best of because you only have to do it to the best of your best ability, of your, basically, mm-hmm. or best of your knowledge. Right. And without without knowing that or I mean, remembering, he's, if he's that, drunk all the time, how's he supposed to remember? Well, how are you supposed to remember a, a text message that you you know may have made a Three, year, ten or three years, years ago, or ten long years ago? ago right? It was I, I don't even know, but it, it this was shooting probably, was like twenty twelve. Pattis claimed the victims, this is a Jones's attorney, Norm Pattis, claimed the victim's lawyer should have had to show jurors the amount of damages each plaintiff was entitled to, rather than merely arguing damage should be big enough to, quote-unquote, stop Jones. The family's lawyers also failed to tie the specific harassment that each victim suffered to Jones. It sounds like they didn't have to because they never went to trial. The plaintiffs focused on, quote, arousing sympathy, directing anger, and anchoring a large number before the jury with the hope that jurors would do what they did in this case, a ward of fortune. Pattis said in filings requested the verdict be set aside and a new trial ordered. Jones said it claimed the judge's restrictions on what he could tell the jurors put him in an untenable position that violated his free speech rights. Bellis had forbidden Jones from testifying about his political beliefs, conspiracy theories, gun control, or First Amendment issues that he claims explain and excuse his false statements about Sandy I mean, Hook. that's what the whole show was about. How could you not put it into context? I mean, if you take something out of context, you're not going to understand the context, which – Right. Oh my God. That's why they, it's like, the ruling it's they like got. saying, if you're, if you say, I'm going to lie about this and then you lie about something, right? Well, you, you're not really lying, right? But they're going to convict you of lying because you, you don't have the mm-hmm. full context of it. 
Jones put InfoWars' parent company into creditor protection in Houston federal bankruptcy court this year, shortly before a different jury in Texas awarded a uh, Sandy Hook family almost $50 million in defamation damages. The conspiracy theorist faces a third defamation trial by final, a final Sandy Hook family in Texas later this year. So they just keep on wrapping him up in court. Yeah, this is disgusting. I mean, there's got to be some sort of limit on the amount of garbage that the government can do or others can use the government. Because effectively what the people are doing here when you're bringing a lawsuit is you're using the government to commit violence uh, or a form of violence against another person. Right. During the Connecticut trial, one of Jones's employees testified his companies made between $150 million and $1 billion in sales. Well, that's a bit of a range. One hundred fifty million to a billion dollars. I mean, can you narrow it down a little bit more? Following Sandy Hook, uh, Pattis said he'll appeal the jury's award because he believes Bellis's default judgment and restrictions on Jones's testimony prevented him from presenting the political beliefs and free speech arguments the talk show host claims explain and excuse his false statements. After a few hours of combative testimony under subpoena, Jones boycotted the trial in favor of spouting his conspiracy theories and First Amendment arguments to reporters gathered outside the courthouse. Let's say Jones appeals this. Yeah, even if he wins, and the he damage wins. the damage is in these multiple lawsuits that he then has to hire a lawyer to defend. Right. And is he going to be able to get his attorney's fees out of these families? No. At the end of this? No, because it's each party has uh is um has to pay their own costs when it comes to court cases, civil court cases. Really, even if you are ruled to be uh not liable be, or whatever? It has to be usually it has to be like yeah, um a particularly egregious mm-hmm. um in in some legal sense in terms of you would have had to have known that you couldn't have Made prevailed. A, prevailed or something like that as yeah. the plaintiff. Yeah, yeah. Mm. In order to have uh, any chance of like, you know, damn uh, legal fees being being paid. Wow. Um, there are some like examples where probably the best examples, um, or or the ones that come out the most often, where, uh, it's usually it's usually going to be like a defendant that has to pay the legal fees of the other side. Usually, and often it's like cases like um like uh copyright type uh piracy type cases Mm. so that's usually where where it ends up being the case so that's what i'm saying even if it's overturned even if uh, jones is the quote-unquote victor in the long run here how many years of his life will have been sucked away by this political process i understand that he's on the air still so i mean i'm still on the air here right like i've got this crypto six situation that i'm facing down and i'm facing prison over this victimless crypto six situation way more serious charges (laughs) because it's a criminal case jones he's facing financial ruin but even if he wins he still has to pay his attorneys god knows what that's going to cost one out of five adults don't want to have kids. This is something that, that you and I have in common, I think, Chris, right? Or do you? Uh, no, I actually would, I actually wouldn't, you know. <laughs> have you thought about it? You must have thought about it. I have it, absolutely right? thought about kids. Um, it's mostly Bob, mm-hmm. uh, who, who is my partner, uh, who right. is not a kid friendly person. So. Oh, okay. I did not, I did not realize. Yeah, that. yeah. Uh, it's not to say it, might not happen but it probably <laughs> won't happen uh well i personally i'm one of those ones that's just not interested at all in it uh, but there's a story here from studyfinds.org that one in five adults don't want to have kids according to uh, the piece here our family's about to find themselves on the endangered species list researchers from michigan state university find that over one in five adults don't want children and the survey also indicates that Americans are deciding against being a parent quite early on in life, most often in their teens or early 20s. They found that about 21.6% of adults or about 1.7 million people in Michigan. I was going to say 1.7 million is way less than 21.6. So they only looked at Michigan here. Do not want children and are therefore child-free. That's more than the population of Michigan's nine largest cities, says the study co-author, who is an associate professor at MSU. The authors use just three questions to separate child-free individuals from parents and other varieties of non-parents. The analyzed data comes from a representative sample of 1,500 adults conducted by the university. 
says it's impossible to distinguish between types of non-parents using official statistics. So this research project is among the first to focus specifically on counting adults who choose not to have children, as opposed to parents that maybe want to have kids, but they haven't been successful at it yet, or maybe they're planning, but they don't have them yet, and they're waiting until a certain time. Uh, People, especially women who say they don't want children, are often told they'll change their mind. Which I've heard that a lot because as somebody who got a vasectomy in my early 20s, I've always attracted women into my life that also don't want to have kids, thankfully, because, you know, that's one of the most important questions. You, you want to get that one out of the way, right? Like if you're going to go on a first date, yeah, you go ahead and get that one done because most women want to have kids and you can just move on, right? Uh, but, uh, so I've attracted those kind of, uh, women into my life and they all hear the same thing from grandma or mom or something it's like that. Oh, you'll change your mind when you get into your thirties or, you know, whatever. And according to this, no, people are making the decision to be child-free early in life. And, uh, women who decided in their teens to be child-free are now on average nearly 40 and still do not have children. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.